Christ is risen. Christos Christ. Please be seated. So my text today comes from the Gospel. There's three particular uh, emphasis I want to make in the homily. The first is, if they love me, they will love you. Second, if they hate you, they will hate me. Name the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Third will come up later. Uh, today, in the United States and in Europe, we are seeing a great persecution of Christianity. I don't know what you think about it. I told you what the Holy Father said a week or two ago. But it's not so obvious. But in Europe, the strongest Christian part of Europe is, of course, Eastern Europe, where the Slavs are. There's a great effort there to destroy their civilization. And uh, this war in the Ukraine is not good. And now they're uh, fighting over Prochevsky Larva. Well, all of our ancestors used to go to Prochevsky Larva. It's one of the great monastic centers of Europe. And this week I called Oleg to get to get the I'm hoping to get the life of St. John the Baptist on the ceiling and the Nicene Creed on the ceiling. And it'll be beautiful. And then we'll be complete with the painting of the church. So he says, uh, I don't want to tell you everything, it's just too gory, but they're, they're not only uh, attacking the Ukraine, but they're having, you know, atrocities. And they take children and kill them in front of their parents. Then they offer their bodies back to them. They'll sell them to them. Now, who are these people? It's not the average Russian that would do that, because the Russians are very closely connected to the Ukrainians and the Slovaks and all. We all came from the same source a thousand years ago. And uh, it's when they... They take their acquitting prisoners if they, I mean criminals, if they uh, will fight for the, the, you know, for the Ukraine. And these people are, have no conscience. And they do terrible things, they are atrocities, which should never be part of war. Atrocities, there shouldn't be any war anyway. The atrocities are Terrible. And our, government, our country's sort of upside down too. It's, uh, you know, sort of to the courts and such, it's uh, condemning our Christian values. So we are under also uh, a sort of a hidden uh, persecution of Christians in this country. But we're going to fight back. Not so much by the ballot box, but by our perseverance in teaching the Christian message to our neighbors and our charity towards them. Remember, love conquers all. Remember that. 
The gospel today is about that. He says, if you hate, if they hate me, they'll hate you. And if they love me, they'll love you. And so as the third point is, we have to teach people about Christ. And we're sort of reluctant to do that because we, we're not very vocal in public, which is a great difficulty. And that means that even our politicians are, <clears throat> are supposed to be Christian or really not. They vote on laws that are completely <clears throat> against the moral teaching, especially of the Catholic Church. So we have this difficulty of witnessing. It's okay in the church. You're all very lovely and very good to the monks and I. In your homes, I know them. I visit your homes occasionally, and they are Christian homes. And you try to follow all the customs and the rules for fasting and things like that. That will actually make a better world. But the two players we are lacking in is not necessarily in our homes, but the prayer life. That there is a strong family prayer life. And I know most of our people, I only have three families really, aren't um, saying the rosary, so I don't worry about that. But I worry about the rest of the day that we say morning prayers and evening prayers and we teach our children about the saints. So today is the Feast of St. George. And uh, he's very important in the Eastern Church. And St. George <coughs> was a Roman aristocrat. <coughs> and the emperor, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Diocletian, he he claimed he was a god. So Diocletian had a big problem because his whole household had been converted to Christianity. And St. George was uh, up high in the Roman government <clears throat> And of course, he knew that family, and uh, he was confronted by the emperor. You know, how would you like it if uh, I, don't, I don't care if you're about the president much, but so what if he came to your house and walked in and confronted you? What would you think about that? We don't expect that. He can stay where he's at. He's supposed to be a Catholic, but he's a poor Catholic. But anyway, he doesn't practice the faith as far as I can see. But anyway, uh, St. George, uh, uh, he found out from St. George that they had scrolls of the New Testament in his Diocletian's house where his wife and servants and everybody lived. And they would pass them around in there so they could read the New Testament. <clears throat> so he got very concerned because he, he had to be declared that he was God, you know. So he had wanted that to stop. So St. George, of course, laughed at him 
And of course, he had St. George martyred. We hope that doesn't come to that, but some of my people now, St. John's pastor, he will probably be martyred too. Yes, I think so, but a slow martyrdom. Now, I'm destroying the way our children are taught in public schools by the society they keep when they're away from home. And so it's your duty to protect your children and to keep them close to the church and your home. Now, what about Catholics? We had a Mexican priest here this past week. He was charming. And uh, he came with his nephew who lives here in Tri-Cities. And he couldn't speak English, but his nephew translated. And Pater was there. He could speak a few words of Spanish. That was a help. And we had them for lunch, which was a lot of fun. <clears throat> and anyway, I asked him about his parish. His parish is in the suburbs of Mexico City. Now, you won't believe this. He has 28,000 parishioners. He says, there's not enough priests. I said, do you ever see your parishioners? He said, well, they come in and out. He says, it's hard to keep track of them. He says, they come for weddings, baptisms, and funerals, and then they show up, and they show up for particular things and holidays. He says, but... I don't know really how active they are, you know, and, and because, but they're there. He says it's pretty hard for me to keep track of them. He didn't say in so many words, however. And I thought about that, and he's not a, uh, he's a mature man, I mean, he's a middle-aged middle man. And how can he do that? I said, how many liturgies do you have on Sunday? He said, eight. He says, that's even not enough. He says, the other priests, we get together and we figure out where we're going to have these liturgies each Sunday. Trying to stop. So, you know, like you, Phoebe, you have one priest to take care of the, what is it, 15 of you or so together? And the monks, pretty young, you're pretty wealthy. But we have to think of the rest of our Catholic people, and we have to think of Mexico because it's run by Masons, who are not friends of Catholics. They don't care if the church goes to blazes or not, but we do. And of course, that priest cares. So we have to pray for them in our prayers too that they get more priestly candidates. So this is the thing with the situation we're under. Our church too is growing. As you know, I'm a consultant in the eparchy, and I go to those meetings. We have them online usually. And uh, we're doing pretty well, you know, everywhere. But we, we need more priests. And it's hard to choose people to be priests. Even if they're married priests, we allow that. But it's they're expensive. So it's, you know, it's a crush between uh, the need for priests and vocations and married priests and all these questions. The cheapest priest you can have is a celibate priest. It's cheaper to keep, you know, maintain. It's, it's, I'm voting for celibacy for the priesthood, but our ancient tradition is that we do have married priests, so we don't uh, 
in Europe, you know, the state pays for everything, so you have to worry about it. We have to pay for everything ourselves. But it's not just a matter of money. I'm sure if I get up here on Sunday and say I need some money for something, I'm going to get it. Our little community is very, and I have, I also have benefactors, and they, they're very generous. So the monastery is doing okay. But the church needs vocations. Vocations that love Jesus Christ to the point that they can be insulted and are not hurt. They're able to speak about God and Jesus Christ, the great high priest, frankly and with their love and conviction. Now let's talk about your conviction. Seems like I'm an embarrassment to my brothers sometimes. And everywhere I go, if I meet people, I talk about Jesus Christ. I talk about the faith. I ask them if they're Catholic or not. We're not supposed to do that in America. Religion is supposed to be hush-hush. Jesus Christ is not hush-hush. We have to proclaim him, the gospel says, to the world, whether you're persecuted or loved. Now, one of the failures is Look at your own family. So, you know, for Brother James, one of our brothers, some of you know him, he comes frequently to the monastery, for, but he's being tended to because of his back over there on the coast. He's got, <laughs> he's trying to reconvert his family, his brothers and sisters, to the church. They've sort of fallen out of the church. What about these Catholics? What are they doing? They become a saint, adopt a secular uh, way of life. But when anything goes wrong, then they rush to the church. They need the priest, they need this or that. And then, well, you know, of course the priests, they're usually pretty good about it. Some priests are not. I've heard this, that if you're not registered in the parish, they won't take care of you. Well, I don't think that's right. Priests should take care of anybody who comes to them. But how about the people? Should they not be taking care of the people, especially by teaching them about Jesus Christ and our Blessed Mother? She's our ace in the hole, you know. She loves us to a fault because she sees our, her son in us. And you know she's enthroned in glory in heaven. She has all the clock. She sits there. So why do you think that Jesus Christ, he's sitting there on his throne, beautiful, gorgeous, dressed in white and gold, fire coming from his eyes, and uh, his mother asks him for something. And he looks at her. What does he see? This woman, from all eternity, was prepared by God to be born, to be given the birth of the Messiah. I think she has all the clout in heaven. Pretty sure she prays for you, you're gonna, she's, she's going to intercede you. But we have to have a bargain about this. So we have to say our rosary, and we have to say our daily prayers. We can't just rush to God when we're in trouble. I had to go to the... Uh, uh, what do you call it, urgent care 
And then we had to go to emergency for a little thing for one of the brothers. He's fine. People are there screaming. I looked at we I never saw that before. I just I've never went that time to see that. And they so they had security guards there and one guy's woman, she was begging for drugs. And of course they can't give out drugs. And uh, so they gave her a Coke and a couple of things to drink, and then the security guard took her for a walk outdoors and quieted her down. And we didn't see her again. There's an older man in a wheelchair, and his caregiver was with him, and he was screaming because he was in pain, I guess. And he's screaming on top of his voice, I'm dying, I'm dying, and this and that. I tried to console him. He didn't want it. He was frightened with me. I was dressed in black. Frightened him. Who God knows who he thought I was. I didn't have my collar on, you know. Usually don't wear it just a monk's hand. Except when I go somewhere and then I get fancied up. But anyway, I felt sorry for these people. I felt sorry for the other people in the waiting room. And uh, the, the sick people were there. And they have to deal with these people who are, I say, under the influence of Satan. So we have a troubled society. But your prayer has a lot of clout. And if you can take it, and you love God so much, that when you're around people, the little love for Christ just bubbles out of you by your witness, your medicine for the whole world. Going out into society, which we don't do too much, is a lesson. I was in the hospital there another time. I had to go get a testing. I take it, have a physical about twice a year. And um, this woman came in with another woman in a wheelchair where they do the testing, you know, draw your blood and all that. And she starts complaining about the Catholic Church, verbosely, you know, really loud and sort of upset me. And I went up to her and I said, well, what, you, you, look at this building. Look at this hospital. Look at this whole campus. Who built it? And you're in here. Pat Catholics built this place. Nuns and priests and laity who gave their money to have a Catholic hospital here. What are you screaming about? Well, you, the Catholics don't read the Bible. I said, well, how do you know that? I said, we read the Bible. All our prayers come from the Bible or our paraphrase of the Bible. How do you know about that? Well, they don't read it at home. How do you? I said, have you ever been to every Catholic home? You know that? So we're maligned in public. Take it on the chin. Be gracious and gentle. And from that, and pray. And the prayer gives you the strength to do that. And you will solve many, many souls. You'll put a salve of healing on them by your prayer. And above all, convert your extended family. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.